It is January 1, 2023, and today on the Seeds of Light podcast, accepting our powerlessness. Hello, and welcome to the Seeds of Light podcast, supporting you on your path to personal healing and spiritual growth. I'm your host, Jay, and this week we're launching into a new calendar year with new challenges. And the main challenge I want to explore today is coming to terms with our personal powerlessness. For most of us, there is one thing, or (laughs) in some cases, uh, many cases, many things, that we do not have control over. We are powerless over. Whether we want to control aspects of our work life, our relationships, our partner, spouse, children, our environment, the social and political landscape within which we exist, the truth is that we do not have control over anything outside of ourselves. And this is a tough reality to manage for us, uh, especially those of us who suffer from anxiety, depression, attachment disorders, or other disorders that affect our ability to navigate our experience. Uh, The good news is we are not alone. Uh, There are steps we can take to release our need for control and skills we can use when we find ourselves struggling to let go of that need to manage things beyond our personal influence. And we're going to discuss that in depth today on the Seeds of Light podcast. Uh, This is a topic that's uh, close to my heart. Uh, I have a bit of a control issue myself. And one of the reasons I really wanted to explore this is because it's something that I've experienced recently in my life. Um, And I know a lot of people I've spoken to uh, deal with this as well. And I think that um, there's a reason why um, 12-step programs uh, start with an acknowledgement that whatever the particular... um, challenge is that someone faces, whether it's alcohol or drugs or uh, sex, gambling, uh, food, there are things that we become powerless over. And there are things that we want to control that we can't. And, And while each of those programs, each of these groups um, is working through um, a way to manage external objects, external desires that we've become powerless over. There's a there's an underlying understanding that we are essentially powerless over most things outside of our direct influence, and we. In my opinion, uh, a lot of times the the object that we're attempting to manage, again, alcohol, drugs, gambling, you name it, that is a that becomes a substitute for the things that we truly can't control. Uh, we've almost projected our powerlessness onto an object that helps us to manage our uncontrol, (laughs) if we can use that word. Uh, You know, why do people consume alcohol to excess? Why do people use drugs to excess? Why do people use sex 
They use it to pacify themselves. They use it to numb themselves. They use it to escape from a reality that they're not able to face and accept. And that is a lack of control over people, places, events, and circumstances around us. Um, And that's hard. That's a hard reality to face. When I, I can tell you very honestly and very clearly, one of the challenges I face is um, eating to excess at times when I feel emotional. And I can tell you very clearly that some of the emotions I feel when I eat to excess are directly related to not having control over how a partner shows up in my life, for example, or how a person acts towards me. It might be how my workday goes. It might be how someone did or didn't show up for me. It might be related to um, a number on a scale that I thought should be different. There's a cue. Then there's a craving. Something happens, and I respond by wanting to eat. For other people, it's wanting to drink. For other people, it's wanting to go to the casino, wanting to go buy something. But there's a cue, and then there's a craving. And this is uh, a learned pattern. This is a learned behavior that many of us deal with. And it comes from an understanding that we don't have control over things. We maybe never had control over certain things. And we maybe never felt heard or understood uh, from an early age. So there's the there's the control piece. We've not been conditioned, in many cases, to feel in control. Perhaps when we were young, uh, the adults in our lives didn't allow us to have control over our own experiences, our own uh, situations. And understandably so. I mean, when you're when you're a young child, you can't always get what you want. Um, but we've been conditioned, I think, in many cases to accept external control, um, or at least accept the outcomes of external control. Um, you know, there's a way to, there's a way to guide your young child and there's a way to control your young child's behavior to keep them safe. But there's also a way to have that child feel safe, feel heard, feel respected, feel protected. And when that doesn't happen, uh, the child can feel out of control, can feel unsafe. And it's at that point that these external, you know, these levers, these these leverage points develop. How can I take control of the situation? The child says, how can I self-soothe? And that's how a lot of these, these patterns develop. And so when we reach adulthood, we have to, at some point, begin to confront our powerlessness and actually speak it out loud, admit it. Because when we, we don't, we 
we continue to labor under the illusion that we do have control and we over control and it can create you know difficult and unhealthy patterns in our relationships in our adult lives and we have to acknowledge and and, and recognize and admit that we don't have as much power as we think we do and we have to step into a space of surrender in order to make peace with our lack of control so we can focus on the things we do have control over and stay more grounded in the present moment. So how do we tackle this reality that we are powerless over a particular problem? Uh, you know, there are many ways, obviously, to approach any situation, um, and it really depends on what solution works for you, which which avenue uh, you you subscribe to. Uh, you know, there is the twelve step system. Uh, you know, there are forms of therapy like cognitive behavior therapy or dialectical behavior therapy, uh, which which I think are very powerful. And there's there's the shamanic perspective as well. So. Uh, we're going to kind of highlight, you know, a couple of different areas from each of those in this program. Um, and then I'll be interested to hear from, from you, like what resonates, what makes sense from the, you know, from the, from the 12 step perspective, uh, when we admit that we're powerless over something and our lives have become unmanageable, that's the first step towards, um, understanding that we have a problem, that we have a, a problem that we cannot fix ourselves. And, you know, the language that uh, is used in groups like Alcoholics Anonymous, Codependence Anonymous, um, Adult Children of Alcoholics and Dysfunctional Families, uh, they talk about, you know, a higher power. And higher power is you know, whatever it is for you. Some people will call it God. Some people will call it the universe. For some people, it's their higher self. I think all of those are valid. Um, the, the reality is that there is a part of you that's bigger than the physical um, ego-based version of yourself. And one of the things that really resonated for me from this language that really helped me wrap my mind a little bit around some of the challenges that I personally face, which um, I've dealt with. Uh, I, I mentioned food. Um, I've dealt with alcohol in the past. Uh, but really, the, the underlying aspect of my life that I feel I've been most powerless over is my need for a romantic partner to show up in a particular way for me. Most of my life I've struggled with a need for external validation, particularly in a romantic setting. So we'll use that as an example. Um, I've had to admit that I am powerless over a need for another to show up for me. And I, I really got some value from the 
Codependence Anonymous Blue Book language to help me understand that um, I have not given proper due to my higher power um, when I need someone else to support me by showing up for me and providing everything from emotional support to physical presence to words of affirmation, um, I am making that person my personal higher power. I'm putting them in a position to function like God. Um, And that is unfair uh, to that person, and it creates an unhealthy dynamic in the relationship. (laughs) <laughs> for for obvious reasons, you know, um, and if you've spent any time online, or if you've ever experienced this yourself, and you you know have talked to other people about imbalance and emotional or romantic connections, you you, you hear people talk about putting someone on a pedestal, um, and th- that's really what this is. Uh, on the other hand, um, you know, when people aren't showing up for you in a certain way and you try to force them to, you're projecting yourself as their higher power. You're saying, I'm going to control you. And that doesn't work out so well either. So what you're invited to do is surrender control to your actual higher power. And we all have a higher power. Uh, whether you see it or not, you know, there there is an aspect of ourselves. Again, um, some people will call it the higher self. For some people, it is God. You know, for others, it's the universe. For for those of us who are maybe more routed, rooted in psychology, you know, it's it's the, the superego or whatever you want to call it. There's a part of us that that knows truly what's best for us and is guiding us uh, to a better outcome, ultimately. And that's definitely a conversation for another day, Uh, but surrender, acceptance, allowance, those are the keys. Those have worked well for me in the past, Um, and when I'm not able to surrender or accept or allow, I get into trouble. Um, but if, if that language resonates with you, I would encourage you to check out uh, 12-step programs that can then help you wrap your head around the need to uh, surrender to your higher power. Um, a- another avenue to explore is the uh, avenue of therapy, uh, particularly uh, dialectical behavior therapy. Um, which I think is um, a really powerful way of looking at the world. Um, Ultimately, DBT is designed to help us solve any problem. Um, And when life presents you with a problem, you have a series of options. So if the problem is that you're powerless over something, um, you have a couple of directions you can go that um, the DBT handbook really spells out. you can solve the problem. You can feel better about the problem. You can tolerate the problem, um, or you can stay miserable. Uh, I would suggest the fourth option is probably not your best. And so, if you want to solve the problem, um, there are interpersonal skills that you can learn to communicate with others, 
uh, about your needs and ultimately uh, reach a conclusion together. And, and I can say I've seen this work really well at times in the past where I've had really heart-centered, authentic conversations with partners about their needs, my needs, and that's really helped tremendously. I've also had times, truth be told, when it hasn't gone well. Um, it, it really depends on your willingness to practice this process with someone that's part of your life, uh, you know, and certainly um, if you're trying to problem solve around other issues, including alcohol or gambling, um, this may be a conversation you're having with uh, yourself or others about reducing exposure to triggers or changing your lifestyle to um, not be directly in contact with things that are challenging for you, setting boundaries, etc. To try and feel better about the problem, we would use uh, emotional regulation skills, um, and these show up in the form of meditation. They show up in uh, self-soothing conversations, the journaling, um, a whole series of directions that you can go. And, you know, if you're trying to tolerate a problem, then you're working on distress tolerance skills. You're working on ways to recognize in the moment when you're becoming activated and to kind of put a pause on the process so that you can take a step back and make different choices. It's all about being able to catch a um, an anxious moment before it, it takes off on you. Um, and uh, as the DBT handbook says, if you are going to stay miserable, then you don't have to use any skills. Uh, <laughs> that That is uh, self-evident, I would think. From a from a from a shamanic perspective, uh, we can we can use the medicine wheel, and we can walk the four directions, and you know there's something beautiful in in that process as well. The process that I've been trained in, um, when we're not in the space to feel content, when we're we're feeling stress, when we have a problem, we always start in the south, and we always start with serpent. And we always start with a feeling in our body. And we ask ourselves, what am I feeling and where am I feeling it? And you can almost always identify a spot in your body that doesn't feel comfortable when you're experiencing stress or anxiety. And so you, you would lean into that moment and you would say, I feel a pit of, I feel a pit in my stomach. Um, and as you would walk the directions, you'd walk to the west with Jaguar and Jaguar is the great tracker, and Jaguar will help you um, track the story back. And you ask yourself, when is the first time I remember feeling this feeling? And you'll walk back through time, and you'll identify points where you felt the feeling that you feel, and you'll identify the stories that go with that feeling, or the memories that go with that feeling. And, you know, the, the, the concept here is that we have trauma. We have events in our lives that have created pain. And our our bodies hold that pain. There are wounds in our luminous energy field in our light bodies that need to be healed um, in order to 
stop having these experiences of traumatic pain and, and anxiety and, and fear. Um, you know, if I, as a man in my 40s, still experience anxiety around personal relationships, there's a reason for that. There's unhealed stuff that I need to deal with. So Jaguar helps me walk back and find those old stories and identify those points in time when I had these experiences that I haven't healed yet, that I haven't let go of. And you say, well, how do you heal something that happened 30 years ago or 40 years ago? How do I heal something that happened when I was five? So Hummingbird helps you that when you go to the north. Hummingbird helps you to uh, dream a new dream and create a new vision, not only for your, your future, but for past events. You can reparent yourself in those moments. You tell a story. You, you, you talk to that younger version of yourself, and you ask them what they need, and the, they, they will tell you. That, that younger version of yourself that lives in your memory banks, that lives in the Akashic field, uh, can tell you what they need. And it's your opportunity to show up for yourself in that moment and hold that version of yourself and tell them that things are okay. Uh, you know, it's, it's shadow work. It's inner child work. And those are all things that a shamanic practitioner can support you with. Um, and ultimately, you, you, you move to the east, um, to Eagle Condor, and you see the sun on the horizon and you recognize that from your high perspective high above the earth um you know you are a you're a member of a sea of humanity and your problems are the problems of humanity as a whole and you can communicate with others uh, about your process and about your experience and recognize that we're all walking the same path together and step out of isolation because that's a common element as well for a lot of us who struggle to manage our powerlessness um, we tend to feel alone we tend to feel like we're the, <laughs> the unique people having a unique experience and that isn't necessarily the case um, so shamanic practices um, and, and being held by those who have learned that path, um, can help you as well. These are just a few of the ways you can tackle these problems. Um, but ultimately, you know, I will come back to something I've mentioned before, which is recognizing the value of staying in the now moment. Um, my sense is anxiety is triggered when we go too far into the future and we worry about things that have not come to pass yet. Will they or won't they? What will it look like? What's going to happen? And, and, and our, our depressive states are, are rooted in the past. I wish I could go back and fix this. If I had only done that different. And I recognize as I'm recording this, those emotions well up. And that, to me, is an indication that I obviously have some work to do in my past still. Emotions are not a problem. Emotions are an indication. They're a signal 
that there's work for us to do. So I would encourage you to reflect today. I'll give you a little bit of homework before next week. Uh, take some time, especially here on the 1st of January, uh, when we're stepping into a new calendar year. Take some time to journal or sit quietly in a meditative state and reflect and ask yourself, you know, what is, what is one thing that I'm powerless over? And where do I think that powerlessness comes from? And how can I make peace with my powerlessness? What is a strategy I can use to begin to release the need to control things that I cannot control? Uh, it's it's a, a commonly known Buddhist precept that suffering is rooted in need or desire. And, you know, if you desire control over something you can't control, you're going to suffer. If you can release the need to control, you are empowered. You become incredibly powerful because you've escaped that mental prison that we box ourselves into. So I hope that today's uh, episode provided some value for you. My name is Jay, and I'm your host here at the Seeds of Light podcast. Have a great week. Thank you for listening, and be well.